0: Well, Thank you once again for joining me. Good afternoon. Julian Campbell here with Business, The Law Renew. And we've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at a couple of Harvard Business Review tips. One of them is called Train Employment, sorry, Train Employees to Handle Abusive Customers. We're also having a chat with Christina about the importance of trust in your business. Right now we're going to cross over to the Hunter Recruitment Group. Have a chat with Craig McGregor. Good afternoon, Craig.
1: Good day, Julian. How are you
0: going? I'm good. I'm, well, I'm good. My my voice is about to go though, so hey, if hey, you'll have like to do all the talking. So we're all talking, Yeah. yeah
1: my, wife, my wife's used to that, so that sounds like fun.
0: So we're going to talk about getting advice before you employ people.
1: Yeah, look, uh, obviously a bit biased in that area, but um, I just thought you know, we've had conversations over the years on, in this forum around all manner of different recruitment and HR issues, and I thought it'd be good to actually give you a couple of uh, examples of things that uh, we've seen in the marketplace uh, recently. So, mm. um, I'll start off, we, we've got uh, a bit of an example where a, a local small business, and, and look, Whenever I, I talk about local sport business, I always say they're always experts in their field. So, they're, they're, their industry, they're always uh, at the top of their game.
0: Yeah. It's
1: just sometimes they just lack that um, knowledge and understanding of, of people management and resource management, human resource management. So, So, these guys got themselves into a little bit of trouble in terms of when they recruited uh, an individual a few years back. Um, I don't think they really did the, the market research in terms of the, the salary levels of, of that sector um, and probably were paying you know, a substantial amount of money over what they probably needed to. And if they'd taken some advice, they might have saved themselves quite, quite a bit of money but also set up their business a little bit uh, differently. Um, as in any relationship unfortunately uh, issues happen and it came to fruition where uh, there was a, a a change in their business circumstances and they needed to get rid of the the individual that was working for them um and there was options around that um but what happened was is the contract of employment that they established was one of those ones that they just took off the internet. Mm. It had a a fairly lengthy um, notice period which had to be adhered to at the termination or the end of the employment life cycle. So again, a cost that may have not had to be bared if there was some preparation up front. So it's just those little things I think that being an expert in your field is great, um, but getting advice uh, outside of it is, is useful. And there are a lot of places where you can do that.
0: And of course, it does show that taking information off the internet doesn't always work.
1: Yeah, correct. And look, I just think it's it's really important when you're when you're building a relationship, you know, be it a, a personal relationship, be it a work relationship, and you're about to talk about um, customers and how to deal with uh, angry customers. When the employment side of things, if you, if you start the relationship on the right footing, then it just bears fruit for your business moving forward. Um, and so the other example I thought I'd talk to you about it was another business, again, experts in their field, and not through um, malice or uh, it wasn't on purpose. They had been underpaying a number of employees. And it was really just a lack of understanding of the award and the classifications of the award. But So, yes, commitment to make those repayments back to those employees but what I thought we could focus on there is actually getting it wrong impacted that relationship so the yeah. employees looking at their boss saying oh, is this guy ripping me off or you know is this, a, is this, is this on, done on purpose even though it hasn't been it's hard to then manage that so if you get that information correct up front then your employees will obviously trust you more but it's also you know, it just filters through that relationship so really important and, and, and those things can really undermine that employment relationship. So I think it's really valuable to get that information up front and be, be mindful of it and understand it's very important.
0: And, of course, it does show that uh, in all areas of your business, you, you are an expert in something, yeah. but uh, you need to get advice in accounting, in law, in human resources, and maybe even into marketing in Correct. order to, uh, to do the right thing and don't just rely on that, uh, that good old Mr. Google.
1: Yeah, and look, I see that in, in my business and in my role as the business chamber um, president over the last few years that, you know, most businesses are started by exceptional people who are very good at what they do. But there are so many different aspects to business that, you know, me as a recruitment and HR practitioner, you're right, am I good at marketing? No, I'd need to get some outsourced information about that by paying my accountant to do our our best and give us compliance um, advice. You know, we seek legal advice when we need to because mm. you, you really need to... You know, that old saying, stick to your knitting, and get advice from other people.
0: And of course, that other point you've just mentioned is uh, part of the Maitland Chamber. It's a good, great, good place to, uh, to meet with other businesses at the various uh, local chambers and networking. What's, yeah. What you got in store for 2018 in Maitland?
1: Yeah, look, I think we're we're at the start of our our year in terms of planning. So we're trying to, like we just mentioned, get advice from uh, various characters around what we can uh, uh, do for the chamber. So I think that's one of the things that we're looking for is is actually trying to engage with um, our membership around what they want, mm. as opposed to saying, well, this is what we've got for the next few months coming up. So we normally at this point in the um, uh, in the year we're actually pretty much set for six months ahead, but sorta of on purpose gone, you know what, let's let's see what the market wants to get. So uh, Brianna who works for the Maitland Chamber will be making contact with a number of our members and at our first breakfast in, in February will be asking that specific question, what is it that you want? What do you want from the Chamber in two thousand eighteen? Who who do you want to be the guest speakers at our breakfasts? What are the what are the issues that are really drilling into small business in Maitland that we can we can assist with?
0: Mm. So your first meeting's next Thursday?
1: Yeah next Thursday the 15th, uh, breakfast meeting at just trying to uh, remember it's at the Whisper <laughs> in, in Maitland. And uh, we've got a number of guest speakers. We've actually got our first ever female mayor, Loretta Baker, is going to oh, give us yes. a bit of an update what's happening from the council. We've also got Chris Travers. So if you've uh, driven through uh, Maitland or if you're on your way to Maitland, you've seen the, uh, the massive um, development there at Stockland Green Hills and, and he's going to give us a bit more of an update of uh, where they're at. And I think March is a big date for those guys in terms of the next phase of opening new shops.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and we've got our member of the month, uh, Holly Martin, from the Marketing GP will give us five minutes about her business.
0: Fantastic. All right. Well, thanks for your time again, uh, Craig, and uh, we'll have a chat with you again another day.
1: No worries. Good luck finishing the show with your voice, mate.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers. Craig McGregor there from Hunter Recruitment Group. Yes, it's very important in, it, in business, isn't it, to get that advice. Don't just rely on Mr. Google and what we can get off the internet because uh, they don't always get it right. Um, and some of these uh, generic things, especially wheel kits and things like that, can lead you up the garden path and uh, you could end up with the wrong information. Time to have a chat with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina.
2: Good afternoon, Julian. How are you today?
0: I'm very well, thank you. And uh, we're going to talk about the importance of trust in your business. Yes, and I think,
2: you know, all the the common... um questions that are being posed at the moment you know around around politics and what's happening and governing and you know the latest scandal with Barnaby Joyce and things like that and everyone's going is it our business isn't it his private life and a lot of people have an opinion that it's the whole issue of trust that we're needing to deal with now we actually know that trust is super important in a business culture uh, and so that that's not a new concept um, in itself but what we're, what some of the research that I've been reading lately um, has a ha, distinguishes trust from transparency and just like we know innovation has been a, a word that you know um, had meaning and that it was bandied around and now we're coming back to you know the true meaning of innovation uh, when people are using it in, in terminologies in, in reports and everything. The same is true of transparency. So transparency has been a buzzword Mm. uh, and everybody's going, you know, we need to be transparent, we need to be transparent. But what does that actually mean to an organisation? And when when I'm reading about trust, trust involves um, a perception, trust involves judgement, and judgement involves perception. So we kind of go, well, according to whose perception, according to whose judgement, is it trustworthy, is it not trustworthy? But when we delve into what transparency actually means... Um, And transparency by definition means, you know, showing everything as it is, putting everything out on the table, not hiding anything. Uh, And there's been some case studies recently of organisations that have gone, well, you know, or actually not even recently. I know we've talked about Ricardo Semler before, Mm -hmm. and what they they did was actually go, here's what everyone's earning, here's what the budgets are for each organisation, you know, for each circle within the organisation, divvy it up differently if you want to, negotiate your own wages. But everything was in itself transparent, we could see through it, we could see through all the processes.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and
2: there's a there's a big push at the moment to say if we become transparent and if everything's out on the table and everybody doesn't have to agree or disagree or say that it's a good thing or say that it's a bad thing but it just is, this is how things are running, then people have more um, decisions uh, ability in the process. And it actually came to light for me this week. I was um, discussing this with a, a client and they were going through a little bit of, of, of difficulty. And what they did was they, they put everything on the table. They said, here are the figures. Here's what's going on. Here's where we're lagging. Here's what we've got coming up. Here's where the problems lie. It led to the best ideation session um, and very productive and with some actions for a way forward. From everybody in their in their organisation, because it was a small small organisation, they were under thirty people. Um, but leading to you know very real outcomes for a way forward, and it's because they went here we are this is this is it we can't show you any more than what we're showing you, transparency in, in you know in its truest sense.
0: And of course, uh, being transparent and putting everything on the table, uh, especially for businesses having challenging times, gets rid of the rumour mill, doesn't it?
2: It does, and you know that that's one of the most destructive things. Like mm. people don't know what's going on, and they and they make assumptions in their head, and our our head voice, our fear voice, creates, you know, Worse. bigger than Ben Hur monsters. You know, mm. we are so good at creating that monster factor, um, and then in reality, you know, we kind of realise that it's not really a monster. It might be a bully ant, um, but that and that whole absolutely, it just takes it out of your head, out of the assumption out of the rumour mill uh, and puts it on the table and lets everybody, you know, have an open discussion about what's going on. And, you know, the rumour mill still persists because the rumour mill is all about gossip and gossip comes from fear. So, you know, when people are fearful for their job, for an organisation, for whatever, you know, even fearful that people won't like them, yeah. The rumour mill becomes rife, you know, mm-hmm. and we all want to defend. And it's all that thing about when ego comes in. And all these things are crucial to business. All these personal issues, the rumour mill, the ego, the transparency, how we feel about ourselves, the monster that sits on our shoulder, they are crucial to business. And you know, we're starting now in the 21st century, or actually we're kind of coming back to it because we were there many years ago. But we're coming back to the fact that the personal and the business are so intertwined that we were crazy to separate them in the first place. Mm.
0: Well, we've got a couple of more minutes. Do you want to talk about uh, launching Tesla's car into space?
2: Yeah. So you know, everybody's kind of going, "Well, why did he launch the? Why did he launch his car? What was that? You know, it's just Elon Musk being crazy, and you know, being a um, being crazy because we're on radio and we can't use other words. Um, but so you know, love him or hate him. He moves things. He has a unique voice. He's the source. He becomes the first ideas person. So we, we kind of call it, he's a first principle kind of thinker. He comes up with an idea and goes, this is what I'm going to try. And and he is almost fearless. I don't know if he's fearless because I don't know the man, but but he appears to be fearless in attempting and you know he has hit rock bottom. He's actually had nothing. People don't understand that at one point in time, Elon Musk went, you know, was completely broken and had nothing. Mm. Um, but but he operates he operates from uh, a perspective of. So I, I found a quote that's really indicative of, of what I, what my opinion of him is anyway. He says, "I didn't go into the rocket business, the car business, or the solar business thinking this is a great opportunity. I just thought in order to make a difference." something needed to be done. I wanted to create something substantially better than what was before. And that is, if you look mm. at all the projects, if you look at the Tesla battery, if you look at um, why he is into the, into the space race, if he is... So he's hired, basically hired, you know, at least the NASA launch pad, and they've had countless of experiments. And this is, you know, now I think they've had 23 successful rocket launches and rocket re-landings. But it's taken time and dedication and persistence and effort for him to do that. And the reason, the you know, the reasonings behind why he does things, if you think about the Tesla car, you know, people said, why did he create a $200,000 car? Nobody can afford it. But he created the $200,000 car, had a limited edition, so that. The people that bought it could then fund, through those profits, he funded the $135,000 car, and he yeah. did the same thing. It was a limited edition, so that people he could then fund the $65,000 car. Mm-hmm. And now he's funded the $30,000 car, which is, you know, kind of the average price, US dollar, that is, yeah. the, um, the average price of a new car. So what he's done is he's, he's used the expensive Elite models to come back to make the car affordable. And he's, they're thinking, when I was at the Tesla factory um, in May last year, the, the whole principle that they operate out of isn't they want to make a great electric car. The principle is we want to make the best car so that people can't go past the electric car, um, for, you know, for, a, for a fantastic automobile and therefore why wouldn't they buy it? Mm. And the whole principle that he's doing that is because he believes in clean energy. You know, he really does believe that, that we're polluting the planet. And so mm. there's lots of people that go, why did he put his car into space? You know, they want, they needed to test particular weight. So I wanted to make sure it was something that if it got destroyed, it, was a, it didn't matter. Yeah. So there's a whole lot of – with everything he does, there's a reason behind it. Right. Um, and, you know, people perceive things one way or the other.
0: All right. Well, thanks so much for your time again. We'll uh, have a chat with you next week.
2: Look forward to it, Julian. and have a great week.
0: You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Christina Gerakite is there. Importance of trust in your business. And then, of course, a true entrepreneur. We've got time for one of our Harvard Business Review tips. This one is train employees on how to handle abusive customers. Sometimes the customer is not always right. Certain customers, whether they're unforgiving, obnoxious or overly needy, can hurt employee morale. Put your company's reputation at risk and prove too costly to serve. It's important to clearly define your ideal and non-ideal customer and then train employees on how to deal with the latter. They are, after all, your company's frontline eyes and ears. They must decide which customers are worth working with and which are not. Companies often don't conduct special training to handle entitled and abusive customers, leaving employees to improvise. If they're operating under the cliché of the customer is king and trying endlessly to please every wimp, it can hurt your bottom line. Provide support by explaining which problematic customer behaviours to look out for and establishing a process for how to respond. This will help them to be able to make more effective on-the-spot decisions. So it's a couple of interesting points there, isn't it? And we've been talking earlier about making sure we get support and uh, one of the things that the government provides is the Business Connect bus through the business centre in Newcastle and the Business Connect bus is visiting the area next week. So uh, Warners Bay on Monday the 12th of February, Hamilton Tuesday the 13th of February, Newcastle East Wednesday the 14th of February, Terrigal Thursday the 15th of February, Avoka Beach, Friday the 16th of February. So if you're interested or want more details, you can get information from the Business Centre on four nine two five double seven zero zero, or visit their website. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we'll talk about the commercial consequences of family law separation, with Samantha Miller from Baker Love Lawyers. We'll have a chat about innovation with Christina and have some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for Business, the Law and You at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and, as Oprah Winfrey once said, you know you're on the road to success if you would do your job and not be paid for it.